comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice, are the most powerful forces of good ever assembled. I am Supergirl. I am the Flash. My name is Oliver Queen. I had to become the Green Arrow. Dedicated to truth. Justice and peace for all mankind. Hey everybody, welcome to the DC TV Podcast episode number 56. And this is an unusual episode of the DC TV Podcast, to say the least, because this is the first episode in over a year that does not have Mr. Gerald Taylor sitting in one of the seats here. <laughs> in the DC TV Podcast studios, he's, he's not here. He, uh... He's working out. He's uh, getting ready for that, uh, you know, 26.6, is that what they call it? Oh, yeah, the marathon? Uh, marathon, yeah. right. right. And I think he has to go back to the Lazarus Pit a couple more times before that. So he's in Nanda Parabat, like, taking a dip in the Lazarus Pit. Um, so he will not be here this week. But luckily, I have a, 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 a motley and swarthy crew to help me in his stead. First of all, the only man who cheered last week when Felicity got up out of her wheelchair to walk out on Oliver... The triumphant return of Richard, the chub-toed Sheldon. She wasn't the only one to rise. Yes, I am back. <laughs> and setting setting the standard with his first words, just right yeah. out of the gate, setting, setting the high <laughs> chub-toed standard. Uh-huh. Yeah, yep. come to know, know and love. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, the only woman who, when Katie Lotz is on screen on Legends of Tomorrow, is looking at her quaff. Miss Jerry why, Atkinson. Why wouldn't I? I'm not. I'm this not is, saying. I'm. I'm just saying. Most people are either looking at her kicking ass, or uh, but her, or her hair was lopsided. Her, Come on, that's it crazy. It was lopsided. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't notice that. I wasn't looking at her hair. Like I said. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but anyway, kind of an odd, odd week this week. Uh, the return of Gotham, but yet no Flash, no Eye Zombie. And no arrow. And all those stories, like right now, are in pretty interesting places after the last episode. So, um, it was oh, kind of a bummer not to have those shows around. Especially, I mean, things are really starting to heat up with iZombie. I mean, with everything with Mr. Boss and Blaine last week and all that. So, but soon enough, we will return. Thank you, Super Tuesday, for taking away our shows. Although I don't, do you guys know why Arrow wasn't on? I mean, I know Super Tuesday took out uh, the Flash and iZombie, but it was announced because I saw a lot of social media um, posts that were like, "Oh, we got to wait until this date for Arrow." So I don't know why, but it was hmm. it was made known. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I have no idea. Maybe that's something to do with them synchronizing their production with the like Flash Supergirl crossover, or mm-hmm. I mean, it could be. I mean, it could be a lot of things. So. Perhaps. Yeah, I mean it's like it's all one production company doing all their shows. So, I mean I'm sure they have to coordinate twice as hard to cross you know, do the crossover. 
Um, but who knows? Hey, but anyway, we did get some some interesting shows. Up like uh, like uh, we were saying before, we started recording real up and down this week. Some good, some bad. You know, um, like the old show said, you take the good and you take the bad. Take them all, then you have this week at DC TV. Um, before we get started on the actual shows, though, real quick, uh, we had some. I see like, what you did there. Do you see what I did there? That was awesome. I want to shout out John Davis. <laughs> Last week on the Flash. I don't know if I uh, if you guys were uh, it was just Daryl and I on the show last week, but uh, uh, King Shark broke out of the Argus facility by like playing possum. Yes. Um, which was like yep. Chris, uh, John Davis, one of our listeners and one of our posters <laughs> on the Facebook group, went out of his way to design a new <laughs> holding cell for King Shark to help out Argus. It was very and, accurate. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was Madison, very well thought um, out. I mean, and he's like, yeah. you know. And he, as he says in his post, it's all about saving lives. Right. Um, you know, it has like draining tubes for the water and everything, and like no one would have had to get killed. And uh, he even mentioned that he wanted to hire Central City cops to run it, not those Star City or Argus dummies. So, right. or, or Hive. You don't want Hive on that either. <laughs> the kids are humanitarian, obviously. But uh, I just wanted to shout that out because that was just incredible that he would go to the time and effort to, to figure all that out. Uh, hashtag nobody dies. <laughs> Great work. We're gonna. Somebody should send that off to Argus if they haven't already. Uh, if Argus actually existed, um, let's start with Lucifer this week. What do you say? Uh, favorite. All right. Son. Favorite son. Uh, season one, episode six, and interesting. Something gets stolen this week. Right. From from uh, a uh, kind of like a black market warehouse, and it turns out that the particular item that's stolen it belongs to Lucifer, and it becomes like the the crux of the episode, kind of. And I, I preferred, the, I mean, in this at least, yes. like the crime had something to do right. with Lucifer. Yes, that's what we've been asking for: is for them to move the story to Lucifer, and you know, maybe the girl, and not just have it procedural that has nothing to do with anything. Yes, that's what we wanted. Right. I I actually was starting to get kind of bored with the show. Yeah. Um, even this week, even though it gave me a little bit more of what I was looking for, I'm still kind of not really super digging the show. You know, I mean, I it's not that I don't like it. I do like it. And there's like all these pieces of it that are just really great. But when you put it together, it just doesn't seem to be cohesive. And at least this story kind of, you know, did feel a little more personal. So it had a little more at stake for Lucifer. But even then I still kind of, I don't know. I don't know what it is I'm looking for quite yet, but um, it just hasn't found it. Yeah. I, um, I, I agree with what you're saying. I really feel like this show has a really good potential Oh yeah, to be a much better show than it is, and yeah, and like I I just feel like it's almost like the way I felt about Gotham in the first season. Right. But, I mean, they're just like these little flashes of like brilliance almost, you know, and then all this other stuff around it that seemed like they had to work their way through to get there, and now in the second season it's kind of hitting its stride, oh. but but I really don't think Lucifer's kind of got that kind of traction yet. You know what I mean? It really hasn't. Oh, yeah. It could be a much cooler show than it is, and I think it's this frustrating, was frustrating though. Because there's always pieces in there; they're just brilliant and they're just well written and well acted. And you're like, why can't this be the whole episode? Well, like the opening of this episode with where Tom Ellis, who plays Lucifer, sings "Sinner Man," 
you know, the club. Yeah. That was really cool. Yeah, that was good. I was, I was just, you know, a really, uh, really nice, you know, tone-setting thing. And then, like, the whole, you know, Mazikeen, like, offering him, like, a four-way with those other two girls. Like, I mean... Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that was fun. Like, I mean, there were just little bits in here that are, like, really cool. And then, mm-hmm. like... And I really like, like you said, Jerry. I thought this was a step in the right direction, like we've been saying, by tying the actual crime to Lucifer a little more closely. Especially when we find out, um, you know, there's um, at first he's kind of dodgy with Chloe about what's in the box and kind of won't tell her, you know. And uh, as that's as that's happening, Chloe's getting more suspicious of Lucifer and like uh, investigating him. She sends uh, her ex like around to his club, and he meets Masakine. Yes. Uh, that was an interesting exchange. And then he wakes up at like his daughter was his daughter's bedroom, like totally right. naked. Awesome. <laughs> Got him. Oh man, it was so funny. He like goes to check out the books, and like uh, he wakes up, you know, naked in his ex-wife's house. That was that was pretty funny. Um, I'm glad they're doing something more with him than just having him be a dick. Yeah, you know, and I really I like the actor that that plays that character, but that character it just I don't know, it still feels kind of flat to me. Yeah, it's like all right, it's still so a dick. It, <laughs> yeah, it, it's a shame because he is a good actor, and hope and again, you know, this episode started to change things a little bit, so hopefully, right. we are going in that right direction. Mm. Okay. Yeah, we kind of see things kind of uh, flare up with him, uh, with Lucifer and his therapist as well. Because Mandiel was like kind of playing both ends there. You know what I mean? I mean, that was interesting, you know? Very, because she finally got him to crack. She finally found the chink in his armor. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, I like that too. See, that was really cool too. But like Mm -hmm. uh, the kind of things that we're enjoying in this episode have been kind of lacking in some of the other episodes, you know? So I'm glad to kind of see this. And then um, we they end up tracking down the guy who stole this container of Lucifer's, and finally Lucifer says it's Russian dolls that have sentimental value. But uh, when he uh, looks inside the crate after retrieving them, oh, I do like the way he scared the guy, the shooter on the rooftop. Right. Oh yeah. Scared yeah. him to death. <laughs> but the guy who actually did the stealing, Lucifer wants to know who hired him. But of course, he kind of scares him a little too much, and the guy jumps to his death. Um. But I hate still, it when that happens. I know. Don't you hate when you accidentally cause someone to suicide? Whoops. No. Sorry about that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I really only don't. if their hair's good, right, Jerry? I'm Oops. just saying there's an overpopulation problem, and not everybody gets to live. So Look, it's not my fault. It's a, it's about cleanup, all right? It's about aftermath. It's not about the anyway. <laughs> I have a question. I have a question. Yeah. When you were watching this, and they were in all the, they were all questioning, going back and forth about what was in it, with the container. Did, were you like saying, "What's in the box?" Yeah, like right. seven. Or I was thinking like um like Pulp Fiction, you know, <laughs> in the yeah. case where they wouldn't show you what was inside. I think I said that out loud a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Was I the only one that wanted chocolate cake during this episode? No, I would definitely her, her daughter did. <laughs> I love that scene too. <laughs> She's got the chocolate cake on her mouth. <laughs> no, it wasn't me. Anyway, uh, we find out the actual thing that was in the container in the hidden compartment. Uh, what he calls his gift from his father, which would be God in this instance, were his wings. 
that we saw the scars of. You know, I guess it'd be what was left of his wings after they were taken off or whatever. But they're yeah. gone. But they're gone. So someone's out there with Lucifer's wings. Oh snap! Not cool, bro. Um, again, I thought it was cool. Like I said, they, they actually, the crime has something to do with Lucifer rather than him. Right. Like, oh yeah, I happen to know this guy, <laughs> which was last week. Yeah. Right. Oh, right. The deal with this guy or whatever. And I do agree with you, with Chubb. It, it, it could be a lot, you know, it could be a lot cooler than this. There are like bits and pieces in there that, you know, were put, if put together would make a better show. Yeah. I just, yeah. And, and I'm wondering if if Fox was the right network for the show, you know, like maybe if this were like a HBO or Showtime or even maybe even an AMC type channel, maybe they could get away with it getting a little more risque. And, you know, because he is the devil after all, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I think it's kind of like something we said about Constantine. You know, yeah. it might have been better off as a, a Showtime or Netflix or, or something where it could have been more of a mature audience type show. I'm hoping Fox gives this more of a chance than NBC did Constantine, though. Right? That's disappointing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, it's made to the sixth episode without being uh, canceled or announced that it was going to be canceled. So, so I'm going to give Lucifer a straight up C because it was very average. Um, the parts that were better, this was an improvement over last week, but not a whole huge improvement. And I, I did enjoy it more than I did last week's, but I really think this show has a ways to go before it's going to be like one of my favorites. Yeah, I have to agree with you. And, and you know, I'll even go as far as giving it a C plus simply because it did make me want to watch it again next week. Whereas last week's episode, I wasn't too sure I was ready for another Lucifer. You know, so I yeah, C plus and and just they gotta find the formula that works for this show and they're just not there yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna uh, go B just because the character development I'm gonna I wanna go B just because from last week to this week I know so much more about Lucifer. You know, I just I wanted it to focus on like what we're defining Lucifer as. And they've, they've kind of touched on it briefly, but really the scene with the therapist where she's gone and got the history and knows the angel that he was before he was chosen to, to rule hell, that was fascinating. You could tell he's trying to play it off as nonchalant, but you could tell there, there was just real deep hurt there, which is more soul, I guess, that I've seen in Lucifer yet, which is, I mean, you shouldn't see a lot of soul. He should be masking all that because of what he's perceived to be, but I, I, I really thought they did a lot of movement in one episode, and I'm hoping they continue in that direction. It was interesting in the comic, they really played on the part of the, the, the character's history, like how he became, you know, the ruler of hell. Like, he was God's brightest and best. You know, he was like God's right-hand man, you know, main brother right. or whatever. Mm-hmm. They played a lot about, uh, played off of that mythology a lot in the comic. So I'm hoping they'll, you know, they'll do some of that here, too. That would be really cool. Let's uh, move on to a uh, slightly better episode, I thought, this week, uh, than Lucifer, anyway. Uh, Supergirl. Really, this is a great episode for geeks. I will put that out there right yeah. now. Full yeah. of Easter eggs, full of yep. cool geeky stuff. Uh, this episode was, episode was called Solitude. It's episode 15, season one. 
let's just talk. Let's talk about the Easter eggs first. Let's get these out of the way, okay? okay. Super Supergirl is trying to find out about this new hacker named Indigo who has ties to Brainiac because she's got the little thingy on her head, you know, the Brainiac symbol or whatever. She's a Coluan, which is weird that they went with that continuity of Brainiac. Yeah. I think, yeah, I thought so too. Because didn't, I mean, if uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but when Jeff Johns brought back Brainiac, when him and Gary Frank were doing action, he went back to Brainiac being a computer, but not a Coluan. And then, like, the Coluans were, like, part of, like, the Brainiac 5's lineage. Because yeah. they were, like, living computers, kind of like the Mentats in Dune. Am I am I remembering that right? Seems uh, right yeah. to me. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm just using the Wikipedia in my head. I don't have it all in front of me. <laughs> Um, base, uh, let's, but let's talk about the Easter eggs first of all. She has to go to the, the Fortress of Solitude. Which is the, awesome. The, awesome. Awesome. So awesome. Okay, first of all, that's awesome. Second of all, the giant key is there. Yeah, the key was great. The key is awesome, and he's like... Do that. Okay. Third of all, and the one that, that made me squee inside the uh, Legion flight ring. Oh, uh, I, I, I literally... I'm just like, I don't know what that is! <laughs> I literally let out a audible squee and had to back it up again because I was like, is that what I thought it was? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, they're going to go there. That's so great. Definitely. Did, um... Anyway. <laughs> the episode, uh, the episode, uh, but yeah, just it was full of really cool little Easter eggs like that along the way. Again, you yeah. know, Indigo being a Kalimun and having ties to Brainiac, which will be scary down the road. Um, they also, I'm glad they, they um. Well, anyway, the main story plot is that uh, is a hacker um sends Catco a list of all these people who are involved in like a you know Ashley Madison type deal, you know, with the the uh, you know infidelity. Online right. type deal. And, huh? That's timely and news topical these days. I suppose so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, Catco refuses to, you know, to, to print them because they're not sure of the source. Uh, the hacker retaliates for them not doing what uh, the hacker wants by unleashing all kinds of havoc. The computer systems all over National City doing things like, you know, turning all the green lights green or all the traffic lights green. Things like that kind of reminded me of "Live Free or Die Hard." <laughs> That's exactly okay. what I was thinking of too. <laughs> um, they they don't uh, uh, when James and Kara try to track down the hacker, they don't have to because she knows about them, and she takes over Wynn's computer before coming through it. Ba ba bum. And Which uh, reminded me of um, Nightmare on Elm on Elm Street when he comes through the TV, like his face. Right, or Videodrome. Yes, that too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Indeed. It's uh, Indigo. Uh, played by Laura, Laura Vandervert. I hope I said that right. Shocking. Uh, who oh. played Supergirl on Smallville. She did. She still looks super hot. How long has that been? She looks the same. It's got to be like 10 years, right? She Isn't also she played Anna, Anna's daughter on V, v. the remake. Yep. And she's on Bitten right now on Sci-Fi Channel. Mm. She plays Elena. Now, I don't know if maybe it's because I have a 4K TV and they just didn't plan it out. I don't know, but that costume was terrible, I thought, for 
for her and and it's and I, I i kept sitting there going and i bet jerry just loves that hair it, it was lopsided it was one hairstyle and another neither one were good why would a why would a computer or a brainiac or, or a avatar want hair like that it just makes no sense like where do you get your fashion sense from I, i'm guessing it wouldn't be anything that resembled that i don't i don't know <laughs> remind me of mystique no, it, it, it did. It was the same color. The same color. Yeah, yeah. Except for this so, is just bad. <laughs> goofier super villain, uh, super uh, goofier super villain on Supergirl. Red Tornado or Indigo? Indigo. 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 Yeah. It, it's a close, close race, but Indigo. Yeah, Red Tornado is pretty goofy too, but I have to give it to Indigo as well. I mean, as cool as uh, Laura Vandervert was, um, that was kind of yeah. That was kind of weak sauce. Kind yeah. of silly in the way, yeah. You know. But anyway, she knows all about Kara. She's able to fight her. And it's only when Alex and Hank show up with some guns that uh, she's Indigo gets away. Um, the symbol on her head strikes Kara as familiar. She wants more information, but she has cut her ties with the DEO, at least for this episode. <laughs> so uh, Jimmy suggests, why don't you go to the Fortress of Solitude? You know, Kal-El has a Kryptonian laptop there, as it were. So then they go to the uh, the Fortress of Solitude, as we know, up in the North Pole. We already mentioned the key in the, the Legion flight ring or what have you. Um, that was badass. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they find out that Indigo is a member of the Brainiac family, and that symbol on her forehead kind of gave it away to us comic fans. Uh, there was, she was also at Fort Roz. I don't know why they would be yeah. able. They think they'd be able to hold on to her or whatever, but but she mm-hmm. uh, evidently she came close to a plan to keep, take out all of Krypton before it exploded on its own. Uh, they're trying to do the same thing. Turns out Indigo is trying to do the same thing on Earth, and the, the hacking is just kind of a smokescreen. Um, she just wants to keep everyone distracted with the chaos, so she can track down a nuclear missile. <laughs> <sighs> Wasn't sure. that Superman 3, the Christopher Reeves version? Wasn't, wasn't there? There were missiles in Superman 1. <sighs> yeah. Luthor sends First. two missiles. Uh, oh, you know, one to cause the earthquake, and then the other one to yeah. to Poughkeepsie, and that's why he has to save Miss Teschmacher's mom first, and then he has to turn the time because he, lo- he loses Margot Kidder. Anyway. Puzzle bound. <laughs> uh, Wynn is the one who saves the day. Which is crazy and awesome. By uploading a virus yeah. to her, like a total Independence Day situation. Yep. Yeah, an Earth, vi- Earth, Earth computer virus will take care of alien software. Sure. Uh, I like the way he called her a glorified Windows Vista. I wrote that yeah, down. That was cool. <laughs> <laughs> I I, yeah, he said, yeah so he's, she's a glorified Windows. <laughs> yeah. But even though uh, they were able to defeat her, non ends up with the pieces of indigo. And by the end of the episode, it looks like he's looking to rebuild her. Um, a few things this episode, uh, uh, subplots or whatever. James and Lucy. <sighs> this is over, thank goodness. It just seemed like ah! it oh, went yeah. nowhere. It went nowhere. It's just like, Ooh. hi, here's a rival for Kara, for Jimmy, for James Olsen. Okay. Okay, now there's no longer a rival for Kara. All right, bye. <laughs> I just, I don't know, man. 
I'm wondering, is, is are we going to get to see less of that character now? Because she was annoying. I don't Thank think you. She's... I think yeah. she was supposed to be, but she was very annoying. Yeah, I don't think she's going to be on it much longer. I mean, she doesn't have that subplot with Jimmy. You know? um, we got this thing going on with Siobhan and Wynn. Uh-huh. Wynn is like kind of passive-aggressively going after Wynn. Telling everybody, you know, telling him that she'll kill him if she tells anyone about this, you know. Right. Kind of thing. Oh, win. Win, win, win. Toy Man Jr., what's going to happen to you? And then finally, uh, the Hank, Alex, and Astra thing, where uh, Alex finally fessed up to Kara that it was she who had killed Astra, not Hank. I was glad that was over with, too. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I don't know why they did this thing with Kara quitting the DEO last episode and then joining the DEO. You know what I mean? Like, if they were going to do that... It was weird. Yeah, if if they were going to do that, don't you think they should have played that out a little more? Or You know what I mean? Because after after she's like, oh, I'm not not working with the DEO anymore. And one one episode later, she's like, okay, well, I'm back with you guys. Well, the the (laughs) whole thing really wasn't all that convincing. It just... I, I don't know. It was just weirdly written, I guess, and I'm just glad that we're past it, and hopefully we can get better stuff going now. Okay. It is going to be interesting. I mean, they're, they're running out of time with the Kryptonians, too, right? Because last episode they said it was two weeks of mourning. Yeah. So that should be uh, that should be coming to a head fairly soon. Um. I give this episode a solid B. There were I, there were a couple things like the the James and Lucy thing is just a waste of time. The yep. the whole and the whole thing about not telling them not telling Kara that you know that uh, Hank or that uh, Alex Colastra you know they only sit again they only kept that secret for like one episode right yeah wasn't that last well, episode they decided you know no we're not going to tell her or was that two episodes ago I think it was just last episode right. It, I'm thinking it was just last. It may have been two, but either way, the whole thing just, it, it didn't feel like it had legs to stand on. And it's like, it, it's almost like they wrote those up last week's episode. They shot it, edited it together and went, oh crap, we need to fix this. <laughs> you know, it kind of reminded me of like, do you remember, I think it was, uh, which season of American Horror Story was the Asylum? It seemed like they had like a that million. That was the third. Two? Okay. Two? Yeah, no, yeah, but it's just, it's But I remember it seemed like they had a million plot lines, and then like in the last two episodes, they they tried to resolve all of them. You know what I mean? It seems like they're, I, being, yeah, they're, getting, I, they're getting close to the end of their season, so they put these you know subplots in, but they're like, I guess now that they're seeing the arc of their season, they're like, oh, we better trim these back because we don't have time for this. You know? I mean, I don't know. That's the guess on my part. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree, and and yeah, I I can go with the B as well on this. You know, it 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 was also another episode of of a TV show where there were so many good parts, but just cohesively together, it just there was things that I didn't like, and but at least they they either were going to resolve it and were done with it, or they were going to drag it out and it would have been the rest of the season. So I think I liked it better ending this way. And maybe we can move on to some more cool stuff. Yeah. 
I give it a B. There are just so many joyful nerd moments. And it, it was disjointed. There were things that didn't seem like they belonged in the episode and things that were rushed and forced and what have you. But and I, and I really like the weird scene between bad hair indigo and non where it was like, are you guys going to fight or F? I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. I bet, I bet like Both. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm like, whoa, this is a little risque for Supergirl. Usually they don't get that. I mean, they, they're, this is a kind of clean show, you know, as far as the TV shows we usually talk about. This one's a clean one. You know, this, this is catering to you could watch this with your preteen girl and it would be fine. But that was a little... I don't know. That that struck me as a little not rapey, but um skeevy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Not <laughs> For rapey, sure. but skeevy. Skeevy, all right. There's there's like, another I, I'm just imagining this like, you know, spectrum scale. You yeah, know, from like, rapey coming back to skeevy, there's kind of like, scummy. What's, what's like really stalkery. Like, where right. does it land on the scale from Jared, like, from Subway to, you know... Chub-toted Felicity. Yeah. It's kind of like... Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, they said that she, yeah, well, she's a living computer, so, you know. Well, but, I don't know. <laughs> I understand what you're saying, and she, she looks like a woman to me. It's just, like, you're not only going to have sex with her, you're going to brutalize her, and that's going to be fun for both of you. I, but she wants to out all the Ashley Madison, or that was just for chaos? I don't, I don't even know. That was just a, a smokescreen, yeah, kind of. To good, because I'm like. Obfuscate her trying to get the nuke. No I was like, why who are you to judge? <laughs> no one will notice me getting this nuke. <laughs> okay, on to the return of Gotham after a pretty lengthy break. Uh, season 2, episode 12, Mr. Freeze, this episode. We're going to, this and the next episode are going to kind of rehash the origin of Mr. Freeze. It's pretty much straight out of Batman the Animated Series. Yeah, I was going to say, and I, I mean, that is probably... My favorite from the animated series is, what was it, Heart of Ice or? Heart of Ice, right. Yes, I just, and and yeah, that I was giddy watching this episode of Gotham because it's like, oh, they're using that. Oh, they're using that. It was great. Yeah, it was Joyful. great. When you see what you've imagined or what you've seen only animated, like brought to life with people and stuff. Right. And it's so, not Arnold. Oh, God. No, because this guy can act <laughs> and speak English. So. You know, I killed the dinosaurs. <laughs> the Ice Age. The super cut of all the ice puns that Schwarzenegger makes in that movie. And it's like 20 minutes long. Oh, God. <laughs> Seriously. I think it's on, it's on YouTube. I remember seeing it. Cause, uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you for doing that so no one else would have to because that's like okay. toxic waste of a movie. <laughs> Although the riff tracks of Batman and Robin is epic. Um, if you ever get the chance. Anyway, but yeah, I really, I mean, Batman the Animated Series I thought was a really good distillation of all the different origins of Mr. Freeze they'd had over the years in Batman continuity. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it's the very, best part. 
Definitely. And put them in there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the Batman, the, the animated series, the real genius of it was like distilling all the elements of Batman down to their most essential parts. What make them more, what made them work best, you know? And I think them using that as kind of a template for this was a smart move rather than trying to, yeah. you know, make you know, obfuscated or make the origin overly complicated more than it had to be or, or whatever. It's interesting though that this is happening so early in the timeline of the Batman. Yeah. Weren't you kind of like, yeah. this is bullshit. I don't need to see a Batman villain every episode because Bruce is still a kid. But, but, no, I I, and, and I agree with you, but in this case, I, I, I was glad I, I'm, I don't know. I really liked it. I, and again, you know, it goes back to how much I love that animated series episode of, because I mean, I remember the, the, the visceral reaction and the emotions just, and I'm like, it's a freaking cartoon, you know? <laughs> and, and, and I don't know, I could feel those same beats in this. So, you know, yes, normally I would agree. We don't need a bat villain, a rogues gallery every single week. But I, I'm, I, was, I, I felt this was a gift. I really enjoyed it. It's been kind of amazing that the season has been just pummeling us with the villains. You know what I mean? It's every week there's like a new villain and there a new. Yeah, I know that's seriously. I, I, I wrote down like, OK, so Mr. Freeze. Yeah, it's all. It's almost, you know, like there's a rise of the villains. A colon uh, rise of the villains. Maybe colon rise of the villains. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> colon. Because <laughs> well, it's funny because I mean, they, this episode is just called Mr. Freeze, but most of the uh, episode titles have been, you know, Galavan, colon, rise of the villains, part four. Right. And isn't it yeah. called something else now? The second half of the season, mm. colon something else. Yeah, I can't. Uh, this two-part arc has its own colon too, but I can't find it on the thing I'm looking at right now. Yeah, and I thought the choice of Nathan Darrow from House of Cards as Victor Freeze was really good. Oh, like he was it. intense. Oh yeah, he was, he was really good. He was good. Um, this episode starts, and it kind of leads into a bit of a problem I have too. But we'll get to mm-hmm. the. Um, it starts with Jim Gordon trying to dodge the uh, the uh, the weight of the murder of Theo Gallivan, which, if you remember correctly, all those months ago, that's how the season ended with him killing Gallivan, right? Dumping him in the same part of the river he dumped Cobblepot uh, back in the first season, the first episode or whatever. Um, he's lying to Harvey Dent repeatedly and is being questioned. Uh, Dent doesn't believe him. Barnes doesn't believe him. But uh, somehow, Cobblepot's been arrested. Although, at the end of the last season, he was with Gordon, right? He was free and clear. Right. I don't understand how how he got arrested. And he ends up in Arkham Asylum. But Cobblepot's no snitch. He knows snitches get stitches, right? So, for now, Gordon is is okay. Don't you think he got away a little easy on on this? Yeah, but... I mean, he cold-bloodedly murdered a mayor of a major city. Okay? I would just think that there would be a little more a little more retribution, a little more comeuppance for doing something like that than, than what he's getting. I don't know. It just seemed like it was a convenient way to put all that aside so we could play with Mr. Freeze. Yeah, but I I get the feeling that that's not done. It may seem done, but that's right. not done. It's something's gonna come back 
you know, especially, I mean, look at Galavan's sister or whatever. Oh, yeah. It, 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 it's not over with. it. I think it was designed to make it seem too easy to get Gordon a little too comfortable for a few episodes down the road or maybe even a season down the road. It's going to come back and bite him in the ass. It just seemed like, I mean, especially, I mean, Barnes doesn't believe him and stuff, and neither does the DA. There'd be some sort of, I don't know. It just seemed like there'd be more repercussions than there were. Well, it seemed like. To me, like, anyway. Like he started to believe him towards the end there, after the whole penguin thing, you know. I mean, he, you still can tell he's hesitant, but Barnes is, you know, he, he's basically saying, I, I trust you. Don't, don't betray that trust. You know, but again, it's going to come back and bite him in the butt. The uh, I got to shout out the makeup in this episode too. The victims of the freezing process or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The melting bodies that was pretty gruesome, dude. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Gotham is not shot away from the violence in any way, for especially oh, for sure. being like a, a network show. I mean, we got people stabbed in the head and. Oh, oh, and people p- playing puppet with the head. Yes, exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. Or, or, you know, like all kinds of crazy stuff. But um, I don't know, that was, I thought the, the, the way it, the, the special effects work on that was really great. I like the scenes between him and his wife. I mean, you could, it really made you feel, you know, what he was going through. And it was odd to me, almost, you know, in this, this Gotham world of, you know, killers and, you know, questionable law enforcement that you would have this kind of human relation positive relationship that was like, you know, that dire positive there. But I like yeah, it. I agree. Uh, what did you guys think of Hugo Strange? BD, BD1, Hugo Strange this episode. I thought he looked the part very well. Um, I don't know. I didn't get quite enough to really make a judgment. But right. I, okay. I I like where it's going. I was intrigued with it. I was more intrigued with Ed Nigma just like losing his shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was that waiting was a... for us to get to that because, yes, Nigma was awesome in this episode. <laughs> He's just coming crazy unhinged, and it's so obvious to everyone. <laughs> but I don't, am I the only one every time he is on screen? I'm, I get a smile. I'm just excited to see him on screen because every scene he's in it's just man it's so awesome <laughs> he's enigma it's yes. like a mini episode of sweeney todd every time i see him on the screen you're right he's gonna do something <laughs> yeah. so diabolically but so gleefully and <laughs> i'm just gonna love it <laughs> yeah definitely. yeah he, he's uh i don't know it's just been interesting to see the the change in his character over yeah. the the period of the the show he's like he's also one of the few characters who really has changed yeah, it's the beginning of the show. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, Gordon obviously has had the story arc of becoming a little more dirty and a little more of a tarnished, uh, you know, badge or whatever as it went on. But like Nigma has just gone from, you know, kind of uh, uh, inoffensive, you know, office nerd to psycho. Like you said, full, like in this episode, full on psycho. Yeah. Um, well, it's awesome. awesome. And the thing is, too, with all the other characters in the show, they've kind of evolved together. They almost, you know, are, are dependent upon each other's story involvement and character development, whereas he has kind of been his own 
little show going on within the yeah. show, you know? And, and, and it's almost like, oh, we're taking a break from the regular story to watch Mr. Nygma. Yay! I mean, it's so great. It's so Mr. Nygma's neighborhood. And how is it? People over. I love Penguin in the striped suit, too. It's just like, oh, yeah. like right oh, yeah. out of a Tim Burton movie or something. It was awesome. That's pretty much his, his character. I mean, since yeah. graduating from being, you know, Fish's little lapdog, he's just gotten stranger and more intense and more convinced that he's this Gotham god. And that's fun to watch. I mean, he's just, yeah. he, I mean, you know, he's wounded. He's, his pride's hurt now. He's, you know, hit rock bottom. It's, it's fun. <laughs> Yeah, the scene with Gordon and Bullock when they go to Enigma's office, he's like a little on edge, you know. Yeah. They're like, yeah, they're like looking at each other like, this dude might, you know, <laughs> like, you know, like, slow your roll. This dude's kind of gray, seriously. To have to show him like being able to rationalize everything he's done that other people would see as crazy is just like textbook sociopath. It's beautifully written and he's such a good actor it's it's almost comical how intense and crazy he is and there's also like that kind of ludicrous edge to it too yeah. like, <laughs> like that humor almost yeah, yeah, too. exactly it's, 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 like, it's kind of ridiculous but you still buy him as a character i think i think the acting on the show a lot of times transcends even the writing i mean like yeah. robin robin lord taylor is a good example you know, it's the penguin, like kind of transcending yeah. what what he's been given, and really, you know, making a thing. I really like the scene in this episode with Tabitha Gallivan and Butch. Yeah. Where Tabitha wants to like partner up with Butch. Right. Yeah. And you know, she's like, "I'm I made you a free man. I set you free." You know, with, from with creepy, moody stalker cat outside their window. Right. Selena's watching the whole thing. You know she's going to run to Joker, or Joker, I'm sorry. You know she's going to run to Penguin and tell him. I mean, oh, of course. It's, I don't know. It's 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 interesting. I'm glad that I'm glad they didn't t- entirely get rid of Tabitha because she's she's interesting. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, she's another fetish bondage kitty. <laughs> they don't shy away from. Like you know, it doesn't have the scene doesn't have anything to do with torture or sex, but you still get the feeling that's. That's her M.O. That's what well, she uses to control people. I mean, the best dominatrix is, it's all, we'll tell you, it's not about sex, it's about power. Exactly. And she's you know, powerful. And she, she she's powerful. Power. She has power That's over Butch, and, and, you know, and it's obvious in the scene. You know. Yes, Mistress Tabitha. Yeah, exactly. Um, Bullock and Gordon get news off the scanner. They ran they ran over to catch uh, the um, one of the suspects in this, but they're too late. And there's this frozen security guard on the road, and they watch him shatter in a million pieces as his head comes flying at the windshield. <laughs> uh, Happens, it, right? Yeah, that was that Ouch. was. Yeah, that'll leave a mark, right? And a stain. A little bit, yeah. Uh, they find Nora freezes a prescription bottle there. They go to her house and they discover her husband's experiments. And uh, she refuses to betray him, even on the threat of going to jail. And that sends Victor to the police station to confess. I like the again, you know, he wasn't in a lot, but B.D. Wong with uh, with uh, um, Robert Lord Robin Lord Taylor as Penguin together in the scene together was really cool. You know, yeah. 
Yeah. With some of the many treatment programs, as he says. <laughs> so he can be cured of his sickness. Poor Nigel. You saw Clockwork Orange? They can cure sociopaths. Sure. <laughs> works great. He's going to open their eyes to treatment. Or works, works great for Alex. And, um, and, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you guys, were you guys laughing at that prescription bottle? <laughs> it was like, it was like a giant prescription bottle with a huge, like, name of a fictional drug or something. I was like, whoa. It's a huge bottle. Uh, the frozen body of the pharmacist is thawing out an enigma's uh, table uh, as Victor is heading to the the, um, the the Gotham City Police Department. Ed leaves to get coffee, returns, and the body is gone. Uh, Mr. Yeah. Pharmacist has made his way over to the main precinct, creepily asking, am I dead? <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> it's so funny watching him, too. <laughs> huh? Oh. <laughs> Yeah, the pharmacist sees Victor in the crowd and freaks out. No one's paying attention when Victor slips out and vows to save his wife. Now that his experiments have worked. Yeah, they work great, buddy. <laughs> um, this yeah. end, and the episode ends with Hugo Strange going down the secret elevator at Arkham to the Indian Hill facility, which that we saw, you know, earlier in last the earlier part of the season. Uh, yeah. uh that is actually part of Wayne, you know, the evil part of Wayne Tech, I guess. Uh, Hugo looks at the newspaper and finds out that Victor has discovered reanimation. That's where we end this episode of Gotham. The uh, by the way, I, I looked it up and it is Wrath of the Villains: Colon Mister Freeze, Part One. Ah, that colon. Yeah, so there is a colon in this one, guys. So. Sorry, I missed that earlier. In, in the uh, in all fairness, so I give this one an A minus, and I'll tell you why. I was so impressed with the way they're doing Mr. Freeze, even whether he's needed or not in the, this early in the Batman continuity. I really enjoyed that. I thought the special effects are really cool. And I really think this, this, uh, the show in the second season is like so much more, so much improved from the first. And I really don't mind the throwing all these villains at us. I think it's kind of cool. It's kept the intensity level up definitely from, from episode to episode. So a minus for Gotham this week. Yeah, I agree. I actually give it a solid A. I, I I think that this is probably my favorite episode of the second season so far. I mean, and I can't wait to watch the second half of it next week. I, I, I loved having, you know what, I think part of my satisfaction in seeing this episode was just because it's finally back. <laughs> so, so I had I to watch myself, like not overrating it. And trying to look at it as an actual episode of an ongoing series because I was just so happy it was back. I just want to go like A's all around. <laughs> but as far as some of the episodes last season, it wasn't earth-shatteringly great, nor does it need to be for the first episode of this season. I mean, I'm fine with it being set up. I'm fine with it showing us where we're kind of going to go with this. I loved Enigma cracking it, just cracking. I love penguin trying to pull rank in arkham but it's still not a level considering what the show is capable so i'm gonna go b right. yep. oh i'm so happy <laughs> seriously i'm like there was this part of my heart that was probably missing and i don't really have much of one so it was her heart okay. grew three sizes that day don't get carried away <laughs> <laughs> 
two sizes. It was only a B. <laughs> and then I had to sit through freaking Legends of the Lame. So, yeah. <laughs> Legends so, of the so, Lame. So while we're while we're on your portion here, Jerry, mm-hmm. what do you think of Penguin's hair? I'm gonna tell you. When I first saw that they cast some young emo looking pale goth guy as Penguin, I'm like, for f- sakes, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're going to have to beat that one out. <laughs> but I just, I'm like, come on, we don't have to make everything CW and always oh, emo or goth or whatever. But he's freaking killing it. I love his hair. It's just as quirky as he is. <laughs> I, I love him. You know, I want to hang out with dude. I seriously, he just kills it every time he's on the screen. He just commands the entire, any attention you were paying to anyone else is gone. You just have to look at him. I, I love him. So I love his hair. I love his, That was that the answer you were looking for? Sure. <laughs> Do you think I was going to rage about his hair being <laughs> weird? No. I'll Not it. sure. They don't groom themselves well. It's just crappy and huge mustaches sometimes and it, there's comb overs it's awful <laughs> yeah thank you for asking <laughs> the more you know <laughs> right half the battle what's the other half of knowing is half the battle oh, i have a meme that says that the it- other half is like like uh gore and guts and tactical advantage <laughs> I, I have a T-shirt that's the GI Joe green, and it, sa- it says with the with the GI Joe font at the top, knowing, and it's a pie chart, and it's twenty five percent blue lasers, twenty five percent red lasers, and fifty percent knowledge. Oh my god! I'm gonna post. I'm gonna find that meme and post it on the DC TV thing. I'm writing myself a note because I will forget. Okay, GI Joe meme. You know that was my nickname in uh, middle school. Because my name was Jerry Joe. So the lame, I think that's where we are. Legends of the lame, as you as Jerry called it. I don't know. I more. I think Rip Hunter was lame. <laughs> Period. Yes. Um. This episode is uh episode seven, season one. It's called Marooned. Okay. Mm-hmm. First off, we start off with like uh, Rip Hunter kind of like drowning his sorrows and drinking, thinking about his family, and then he has an extended flashback about his wife. It turns out his wife is like better at being a time master than him or something. But like but like let him become one, like kind of you know, give it up for him. Right. Which seemed really lame. It's like, it was extremely lame. Why would you why would you why would you you know No. I mean if your mate is really, really good at something, then why would you have them, you know, hold themselves back to allow you to advance? I mean, it doesn't I don't know. Doesn't jive, but it makes sense why he's so freaking lame. Well, it makes sense a why he's so lame. It makes it explains yeah. why he's lame, and I, but it, it seemed like it was trying to make endear him more nope, to the viewer, and it didn't. It did the opposite. Yeah, you know, it's it, like, like yep. what a jerk, you know. Seriously, you pulled her down to your freaking level, stupid non-rip hunter, because that's not your damn name. Yeah, I I don't know. I just uh, I I'm. Ugh. Uh, I'm, not, so I'm, not well. down, I'm not down with the Rip Hunter. I'm sorry. Just, I'm not either. It's like, so dumb. This episode, dumb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, we remember last episode, there was kind of a thing where they had to put Mick in the cell, mm-hmm. uh, separate him from everyone else. He is kind of uh, 
he wanted to stay in, in Star City 2046 and be a gang leader. And, uh, and Snart was not having that. He brought him along, but kept him in the cell. And the um, the rift between the two of them gets bigger this episode. Uh, as they're traveling through uh, um, you know, time, I guess, they get a distress call from a time master in deep space. Uh, Captain Eve Baxter aboard the Akron. And My first eye-roll moment of this episode. Right, it's like... Uh-huh. Uh-huh, sure. Like, this isn't going to be a trap? Right? They're after it, you, It's dude. not Come even on. that. It's not even the, the it's a trap thing. It's the fact of, wait a minute. Okay, I can get you're out in deep space or whatever, and you get a distress signal or whatever, but I, I don't know. Maybe it's because of the long time I've watched Doctor Who and whatnot, but it just seemed kind of ridiculous that someone was sending a distress signal out through time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just was. It was real hokey to contrived. me. It was contrived in its truest form. It was just completely set up. Yep. There was an episode of Firefly like this. There was a movie. Star Trek. Yeah. Well, an episode like. That. Yeah, Firefly. Yep. Um, and uh, Alien. How about the movie Alien? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Expanse. Pretty recently, actually. <laughs> uh, even Horizon wasn't that what they were responding yes. to. Was yeah. a, hey, come on. I'm just like, you know, when that happened, I was like, really? You're really going to go investigate this stuff? And aren't the Time Masters the ones who he's running from? He's trying to stay yeah. away from? Like, like the well, his, his, reasoning, after him? his reasoning for wanting to go to the ship after getting the signal, mate, it, they at least explained that somewhat, you know, of, hey, Gideon cannot catch up to this time stream because it hasn't connected with whatever the MacGuffin of the week right you know so I mean at least it made sense it, it was incredibly lame but it made sense right. well these are legends of the lame so that is <laughs> in keeping with the show's honorary title in my mind I don't know there were so many parts to this episode that really stood out and shined and but it it was overshadowed by the lameness of the whole Rip Hunter story arc in it. It just, I I, I don't know, because I mean I felt Doctor Stein really stood out. You know, um, Snart, I I like okay. so much going on with him. But man, this little arc for this episode was dumb. Yeah, Palmer nearly dies. That was interesting yeah. enough. But, I, you know but, what, but, I, they, but why did they go back with the romance with him and Kendra? That's what I was thinking. Reason. Is that last that's episode? You know what? Last episode it was cool. It was like, hey, you know, you interested? And she's like, no, I've got a lot going on. Thanks. Good. Uh, Leave it there. Okay. You're done. Walk off. But no, they had to bring it back this episode, which is, I can't lose you and all this other stuff. I'm just like, what? Exactly. And but the other part of me is, I I don't know. As I I feel. I feel like Cisco's betrayed for some reason, you know. I kept thinking, I mean, oh, she doesn't want to I mean, I get it. She, she leaves to go back to Cisco. She leaves you. Cisco because, you know, hey, okay, the whole destiny, the whole whatever uh, mythology of it, whatever. But you know, dude's dead now. You know, hey, he's Thanksgiving Cisco. dinner. Let's move on to Christmas and open our present for Cisco. That's what I'm saying. Is if she, if they're gonna have her be able to go back and get involved with somebody other than her soulmate Cisco 
it just seemed incredibly forced after all she'd been through and everything. And she's like, Hey, you know, I'm just, uh, oh yeah, I've been through a little bit. I need some space. And that made total sense. Cool. Let's just end it there. But no, they had to bring it back this time for what? Speaking of women, I nicknamed, um, uh, rip hunter, but not rip hunter. The time traveler's wife in this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to stand behind that. What? Wait, I, Say it again. In this episode, I said, speaking of women, I was being facetious. I nicknamed Rip Hunter, who's not Rip Hunter, the time traveler's wife in this episode. <laughs> See what I did there? I'm going to stand behind that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I <laughs> Clever. Can Clever. Thank you. Mick Stein, Jackson, Rip head off to play Alien. And uh, it turns out there's a whole bunch of people in the Akron, a whole bunch of time pirates. Headed by Captain Valor. Arr. Played by uh, Battlestar Galactica alum, Callan Keith Rennie. Yeah. He's number two on Battlestar Galactica. And he was on um, uh, Californication. I never saw it. I never watched that. Pretty good show. I, I wrote down Time Bandits, too. Time Bandits, <laughs> nice. Time <laughs> Seriously, he parlayed for Christ's sake. <laughs> okay. The um, back aboard the ship, Ray has been named acting captain, uh, trying to figure out you know whether he would be Picard or Kirk, and uh, uh, Leonard and Sarah. Uh, I, I do love all the little geek references that he throws out there <laughs> throughout the episode. It's kind of cute. Rip says the code word that Gideon recognizes in the Wave Rider was weapons go online, fire on the Acheron. Um, Stein realizes his teammates have been attacked, and he says to himself, It's up to you now, Martin. Uh, <laughs> giving himself a pep talk uh, as the Acheron targets the Wave Rider's life support system and, and breach the hull. Uh, Leonard and Sarah head to patch the breach, and Stein on board the Acheron uh, manages to shut down the weapon system, allowing things to quiet down for a moment. Um, Unfortunately for Leonard and Sarah, the cold gun runs out of juice, which means they can't patch the breach, and the doors close on them just before they're able to leave, effectively trapping Captain Cold and the White Canary in a freezer. So most of the legends are trapped. Three in the Akron Brig, two are by the breach tall in the Wave Rider. Uh, Stein has to save those on the Akron, and then Kendra and Ray work out a way to fix the breach so Sarah and Leonard can leave their freezing prison. I like the scenes together with Sarah and Leonard. I'm going to say that right I now. I did too. Those are my I... two. They're probably my two of my favorite actors on the show, and I thought their scenes together were really good. It was an interesting conversation. It really was, and you got a lot of background. You got a lot of. Right, he you explains know, where he first met Mick and Juvie. Definitely, and you get you finally get their relationship. Yep, it makes so much more sense. First, I was like, "Oh, he was bullied when he was a kid," but. Then... <laughs> Rolling my eyes, but then like, oh, they're they're finally giving us the whole story, like why they would you know go anywhere with each other, even though one didn't agree. The the one the guys that are locked in the brig on the Acheron, um, Rip Rip gets PO'd and like kind of antagonizes Mick for some reason. I didn't understand this at all. Why did he say this yeah. stuff to him at all? He says yeah. that you know he he you know Mick has the IQ of meat and then the only reason he was on was cuz he wanted Captain Cold and they were a package deal and the uh... meat package sorry right <laughs> so Mick Mick is like yo hey yo let's make it Mick says he'll make a deal 
He'll get them okay. the wave rider in exchange for sending him back where he belongs. So he can start over and leave the mission and stuff. Uh, the Time Pirates accept, but not before knocking him out to make his appearance convincing when he goes to dupe the wave rider. Stein embraces his inner space ranger. <laughs> I I absolutely love that. Yep. He knocks out a guard and uh, comes out with a guard's gun and uniform on. That was pretty hilarious. Rip is uh, about to tell Captain Baxter, you know, everything, and but then Stein removes or, or arrives and takes out the force field. Um, it was it was pretty hilarious. Uh, on the wave rider. Uh, Ray uses the atom suit to head off into space and to fix the breach itself, but he runs out of uh, he's running out of oxygen, and uh, Kendra's like asking him questions for you know for things that are supposed to keep him awake and stimulate his brain. She's asking him like, "What's your favorite color and stuff?" Right. My biggest problem here is you're gonna tell me that he didn't have enough oxygen in that suit long enough to go out and weld one plate. It just, I'm like, if that's if they if he's limited his suit to to that, then that's just bad. He's yeah, like CW Iron Man, though. Like he doesn't have yeah. a cool suit like Tony. <laughs> he is he has the Iron Man suit, but in the CW budget, you know. That's how I kind of look at him. He's he's more like he's bore machine. Okay, that's a common sci-fi convention. Is you're somehow going to run out of air and everybody can kind of. Feel the tension because yeah. If he if he were if he were trapped outside, right. If it were him that were in the intense situation, yes. But in this case, it's like you 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 voluntarily went out there. You you didn't think to check to make sure you had enough or grab an oxygen tank or I I I don't know. It just it seemed like a forced situation. To lead us to the whole Kendra, yeah, I can't live without you. Just dumb. And then him, her like uh, resuscitating him and stuff. Oh, okay. There's so many cringeworthy moments in this in this episode. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So much eye rolling, so much like like sharp exhalations, just like oh. <laughs> yeah. I felt like I was what? um Napoleon Dynamite. Like, yeah. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. What's going to suck is, you know, there's some really good characters on this show, but they're going to end up being fallen to the wayside if they don't do something, you know, to redeem them. Because I just don't have this feeling Legends is going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's it's had really good ratings. Really? It just felt like this episode's a cliff. It's Everything. Yeah, um, I don't know. The ratings have been almost as good as The Flash. I mean, in its but, time slot, it's it's beaten some of the major networks since time slot. Maybe it's not for us then. Maybe we're asking for you know actual value in our programming. <laughs> I don't, I, you know what? I I don't I don't mind the goofy of it. You know what I mean? Here's the, well. here's what makes the show for me. Okay. What was Miller? Well. What was Miller and Dominic Purcell as Captain Cold? Yeah, them, them their relationship, the and then even going into the episode, the end of this episode that we'll get to in a minute here, that really makes this show for me. Katie Lott says White Canary is incredible. She's awesome. I agree. Um, uh, Victor Garber Stein. As, as Stein is, is phenomenal. He's excellent. Okay, I do like yes. Right, the rest of them, 
I'm just kind of, you know, I one hundred Jax is okay. Kendra's kind of okay. Ray is is either either amusing or annoying, depending on how he's acting. You know, get Ray. He just he doesn't make any sense from episode to episode. He doesn't have the same flaws and abilities from episode to episode. It's it's weird. I don't get him. It's almost like they like. Maybe in the writer's room they bring on a guest and it's like, hey. Okay, that makes right, sense. Right, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I don't know. It, it, but it's, it's like exactly what dude. you said. Every episode, yeah. he's like a different character. Um, yeah. You know? And I'm like, who are you? Like when they were in the gulag uh, just you know, an episode or two ago. Uh, okay. You know, he was just like totally useless. You know, Ray. Yeah. He got them in huge trouble or whatever. Now, in this episode, he's piloting the Wave Rider. He's saving yeah. Captain Cold and, and, you know, he's Mr. Capable, you know? it's just, Well, you know, and they're also using him kind of like comedic relief, but it's just not that funny. There are moments with him that are hilarious, but, you know, they're just trying to force it too much. It sucks too because I really, I really like that actor. I like Brandon Routh. You know, oh, oh he, yeah. he was incredible I, in Scott Pilgrim as the vegan yeah, bass player. Yeah. That was like one of his. Like, he was great in Zach and Mary make a porno. Yes, he was hilarious. Yeah. yeah, he's capable of so much more, and they just keep not even pigeonholing him because that would like commit to one thing. He's just whatever they need him to be for whatever episode, and I can't follow it. Right. Mm. I thought he was perfect casting for Superman and everything. It just turned out that that poor film suffered from everything else. Right. Yeah, it wasn't him for sure. Yeah. Uh, fights break out. Leonard sides with the uh, the legend the legends rather than join Mick with the pirates. Uh, back on the Acheron, uh, Baxter devises a, a, a plan, and then uh, Rip is facing off with Valor, Valor alone. Just as Valor is about to bitch choke the life out of Rip, he sends a signal to Stein, Jackson, Baxter to have Gilbert, the Akron's version of Gideon, open the airlock, and out go the pirates into deep space. Nothing to breathe. Bye, guys. See you later. <laughs> uh, Captain Cold reaches Sarah just in time to, from her being incinerated by Mick's gun during their fight. Uh, Captain Baxter decides to give Rip the software he needs uh, to go ahead because she sympathizes with the story of his family. And they figure out they have to go do March 1958 in Oregon, okay? <laughs> it's <like> so random. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, I mean, it's just like... 1939, never... Texas. What? Oh, God. I stopped there once. It was awful. Yeah. There are people that look like they might have killed their family members with axes. Where? Texarkana. Texarkana. There's two sides. There's there's two Texarkana. Oh, there's one in Texas. Yeah. Arkansas. Yeah. The one in Arkansas scared me. Hey, when I was a kid in junior high, I went to Texarkana, Lake Texarkana for camp. Nice. Yeah. How was it? Wait, which one? The Texas or the Arkansas? Uh, the Texas side. Okay. Well, you were fine. There were no axe murders. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, obviously I was fine because here I am, many many years later, still alive. So, but or are you? Dun, yeah. Dun, dun. Uh, oh. I, I might be. <laughs> um, maybe. Uh, everybody back on the wave rider and uh, everything is cool, except for um, Mick. 
Uh, they realize they can't just leave him down in the brig. Leonard offers to handle it, as he says. Um, takes Mick out into the middle of a forest. Mick wakes up and realizes what's going to happen. Uh, he tells Leonard that even though he may think he's now a hero, he's still a weak kid from Juvie without the guts to pull the trigger. Leonard hesitates, and the camera cuts away, and they f- he fires. Uh, it's not clear if he hit Mick, though. Remember, nobody, no death, everybody. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I don't think he killed him. Yeah, no. I don't think so either. He's got to have a plan of some sort. Snort usually does. So I think, but that's the way the episode ends. She was, what a mix, what a mixed bag, you know. <laughs> what a mixed mixed bag. Again, you know, like I said, uh, uh, Dominic Purcell went with Miller, Katie Lotz. I love them in this in this show. I think they're great. Victor Garber. It's just the rest of the cast, especially Rip Hunter. I just don't, I don't, I never watched Doctor Who, so I don't have the history with the guy that most no, people do. He's not. He was good, and he was good as the awkward he was, in Doctor Who. Really was. Well, he's not the he's using. Well, I don't even know what they're doing with that. It's weird. No, but here's the thing: is I was thinking about it as I, as the episode was wrapping up because I was like, why is he so off? Just not yeah. right. And, Please, you know, me. I'm like, he, he, and then I started thinking he was so good on Doctor Who. And I was thinking the same thing you were. But then I got to really thinking about it. And he didn't necessarily have a lot of screen time on Doctor Who. It would be little bits and moments here and there. Other than when he was the Roman centurion. Yeah, I was about to say, in certain episodes. But there were a couple episodes where he and he and uh, Amelia Pond were the focus. So yeah. I, he, he was good in that, but he was unassuming. He was quirky. He was kind of soft-spoken. But then, like you said, the Centurion, it was like, oh, this is Rory on steroids. But it, you know what? I think it's whatever accent he's doing, it's pretentious and it's unnecessarily pretentious and it's distracting. And it's, he's just like Shatner level overacting, but not in a good way like Shatner <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, Shatner's overacting has an appeal to it. This is it just bad overacting. It's rubbish. As as it's the show favorite. goes on, I buy him less and less, and I buy Vandal Savage less and less. Yeah, and I, I think like, everything Vandal Savage says sounds and, like he's talking like this. Yeah, yeah, it's and, yes, exactly. May I have it's a latte overacted. and a muffin, please? You know. Thank you. Yes, that's what I've been trying to. Um, I kind of did. I kind of, and I get what you're saying, Jim, but I kind of don't mind it because it's very comic really? booky. Mm-hmm. I kind of don't mind it, but I, I, I get what you're saying though, and and I don't t- totally love it, but you know, there's so many other things way wrong with this show than that. And, and I'm not sure about this. We might need our podcast historian, you know, whichever one we have to go back and look, but this will probably be the first time on DC TV podcast that I've given an episode of anything an F. And it's a solid F for me because I watched it just before we recorded. And I just, I'm still thinking how, how terrible it was just terrible. Even the great little good parts, the Captain Cold and Canary and the, the Dr. Stein stuff, it, it just wasn't enough to save it to get a passing grade. What do you think, Jerry? 
I can't even give it a D or an F. I, I have to give it an L for lame. I, oh, I can't even put lame. it on a scale. <laughs> Legends of the Lame. I <laughs> Seriously, this was just so disappointing. I, I couldn't get over how much I didn't want to watch this. There, there were a couple of times where I had to like take a break and just clear my head and play with puppies or I don't, just drink some wine. <laughs> it was just bad. It was just really hard to watch. The thing that gets me about this episode is last episode was actually pretty cool. It had some cool stuff. Right. There was Star, Star there. City in the future was was kind of cool. There was it was fun. I mean, you had the bad makeup on them all, but other than that, there really wasn't anything too huge to gripe about. This there's just like left, right, and center. And like I said, the more I watch the show, the less I buy Rip Hunter, the less I care. Well, and, and, that's and, the thing and to about be honest, I mean, to, to be honest, to have. If you want to have that be your overarching story throughout the whole season and the driving force of the show, pretty much, then that really needs to be compelling, and it's just not. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, but that's the thing, too, is I think that this was the first episode that featured him the most. I think he had more screen time in this than any other episode leading up to it. And That'd be right. And and it just it it showcased what I've been feeling in the other episodes that yep. he's just not a good character. He's just not. It's not good. Rip Hunter is just not portrayed well. It's not good. And this episode just highlighted it big time. It's just. I mean, as the show goes on, it's more evident who the weak links and strong links in the chain are. You know mm-hmm. what I mean. You know, and and I don't think he's dead, but it wouldn't bother me if they did kill off Mick because he's his character. Even though I like the 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 relationship with Cold, it's like okay, he's become the same character every week, same same thing. Ooh, well, I just want to be chaotic and mad. Yeah, he's, he's being, being true, true to the character, character right? He's being true character, but you can right? still throw okay. certain curveballs and go different directions sure. with the character okay. and not pigeonhole them into one thing. You know, it's it's like he's become the B.A. Baracus of, of the episode, uh, or of the, of the show. He's the guy that's yeah. just going to be the whatever attitude, and, you know, and we got to treat him a certain way or, or else, you know, and it, it's like, come on. Give me more depth than that. You know, the one thing I did take away that I was surprised they made as a as a decision on this script was when he was called when when uh, the time traveler's wife called said he had the IQ of meat. Mm-hmm. That's when he should have you know basically tried to kill him and had it been pulled off. He didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that right there, I was like, oh, finally something I can work with. So he knows, <laughs> you know. He does realize that he's not, you know, you're, you're, he's the man of action. He's not the man of thought. So I did like that part as far as his character, but yeah. Yeah. I just, I like him and Wentworth Miller together. So mm-hmm. I really I do. Want, I really do. Yeah. I just, uh, I think they're, they're really good actors together and, and, and I really buy them as, uh, as Leonard and, and uh, Rory, so I hope, to, I hope they're able to resolve this in some way, you know. And as much as I like Hawkman and Hawk Girl in the, that whole, I, I'm just wondering if it's just not working for live action TV. I yeah, don't know. I, I that guy who played Carter Hall didn't work for me. No, not at all. But I mean, just I don't know. I don't know. It's amazing too that like in one episode, I buy Vixen more than I buy half of the Legends of Tomorrow. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're you're right. 
definitely Hawkman was very stiff. Yeah. You know, even when he's supposed to be passionate towards Hawk Girl and like we have this this All history, that came off I'm like creeper to me. Like the whole we're yeah. destined, we're, you know, right? we're destined to be together or you might you know, we've been together right. in twenty eight times. There was no uh, destiny and passion. He was kinda like rapey, like I'm gonna get you, girl. When you show you how to fight. It seemed creepy. It totally <laughs> did. It totally it totally seemed it's the kind of stuff yeah, a stalker would write, you know. It, it we're is destined, it we're is. destined to be because together. You have we're meant to be together. That is rapey, for sure. That is rapey. Hey, man. That's stalker, stalker mm. material there. Right. For she's like, You don't even get it. <laughs> I give this a yeah. D. It was a lame episode. It was full of so many tropes. I was, I don't know. Yeah, I give it a D. It was not a good episode. Not a good look. And I hope it improves next week when they go to the exotic uh, locale of Oregon in 1958. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to... Is there anything historically significant about 1958 in Oregon? I don't know. Check that out. We have a week I, to do that, I'll right? have to do some research, yeah. You have that much free time, then. Go for it. I, I, I lived in Oregon a few years ago, and let me tell you, it, 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 it it's it's boring. Except for the Portland area. That place is awesome, but the rest of it... I was going to say, they didn't they just legalize pot there? It can't be that boring. Hey, it got voted down the year I was living there, the 2012 election. That's all that matters. Yeah, <laughs> I left the state and they made it legal. Hmm. That guy's out. That guy's out of here, and I'll slide up. <laughs> uh, we have a, a little bit of news, uh, real quick, uh, mostly on the movie side. Uh, first of all, uh, they've already greenlit Suicide Squad two. Yay! Before Suicide Squad 1 has even come out. Um, and we got this really interesting... They start, are starting to screen uh, Batman v Superman for some select members of the press. One of which being... Uh, who was uh, One of whom is uh, Anthony uh, Bresnikin uh, from uh, Entertainment Weekly. Okay, And he hasn't written a full review or anything. He, had said, he says in a tweet he has to go write... But on Instagram, he put a picture of the of the following six points. All right, you ready? Okay. All right. Um, number one, if you loved Man of Steel, you'll love Batman v Superman. Good. Oh. Okay. Number two, if you loved Man of Steel but not the end, Batman v Superman may, may redeem that. Okay. okay. Number three, if you hated Man of Steel and the whole grim dark thing, okay, probably not for you. Number four, Wonder Woman is fearsome. Nice. That's a good adjective. Uh, number five, there is a moment between Batman and Superman that will make even the most cynical eye tear up a little. Huh. And number six, fans will have a lot to discuss and fight over. But, I mean, that, well, that one pretty yeah. much goes without saying. That's like saying, you know, <laughs> water is wet and uh, stuff, right. the sky is way up high, you know. But, yeah, from someone who's actually seen Batman v Superman. Right. Um, and they are on track right now to for advanced ticket sales, almost tracking as well as Star Wars. Uh, from what wow. I'm reading, the initial nice. tracking, they're looking for a $300 million global opening. Half here and half abroad. So. Wow. I can this, see. I just want this to come out already. It just seems like it's been cooking forever and ever and ever. You know just what I mean? a couple more weeks. 
Um, they also were talking about some... Uh, we mentioned last week there's going to be an R-rated version of Batman v Superman that comes out to Blu-ray called the Ultimate Edition. Mm. It turns out there's going to be a lot more stuff on that one. It's going to be more akin to the director's edition of Watchmen, including the entire part of Jenna Malone, which got cut out of the movie, I guess. It's going to be re-added into the, the Blu-ray version. And there's going to be a lot more, I guess, connective tissue in the Blu-ray version to the rest of the DC universe coming forward, so... Gotcha. That'll be interesting. Uh, yeah. I do. I, I, I'm from personal experience. I know the the Zack Snyder director's cut of Watchmen, the ultimate cut or whatever. Uh-huh. Is, I, in my opinion, is much better than the one that hit the theaters. So. Oh, absolutely. It's it's funny. I was just having this discussion with a friend of mine the other day about Watchmen, because um, uh, we were discussing rated R superhero movies you know with the whole deadpool because everybody's you know. saying deadpool is the first one i'm like oh god i'm gonna vomit on you no the, I mean, um the crow says, the crow says hello yeah, yeah so the crow blade. was before blade well yeah and before the crow was dark man yeah and before that was i guess you could count robocop yeah yeah so. but yeah um but yeah because i i feel that watching that director's cut it 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 was the best possible version of watchmen that i think anybody could possibly put on celluloid and it it was it, you know and i was a little bummed after seeing it in the theater even though i still liked it um but man once that ultimate edition came out it was like okay this is almost perfect it was funny when watchmen came out in the theater go back and listen to the lod uh discussion you know where we reviewed it and that's exactly what i said was i can't wait for the longer version because it just seemed like the theatrical version was kind of rushed and sure enough it, that's exactly what it was i mean when well, the, when the director's yeah. version came out there was a lot more room for the movie to breathe there's a lot more room for the story to kind of breathe and the characters to kind of more and be more established you know it didn't seem the story didn't seem rushed at all um i really i i much prefer the director's cut um, to the, the theatrical so well, Hopefully it'll be the same deal with this. It, since we're talking about it, how did you, how did you like the ending of Watchmen versus the ending in the graphic novel? I was fine. I was fine with it. It made yeah. It, I it made sense. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I almost yeah. liked it better than the ending in the book. Um, yeah. To me, it made a little more sense. You know, of course, yeah. the ending in the book is definitely Alan Moore all over it, but. Um, yeah, that's, that's what we were talking about the other day. And I'm just like, yeah, it, it's the, it's the perfect comic book movie. Uh, it, it, it definitely a great version for Watchmen. Um, I don't know if it's the perfect comic book movie. I, 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 I as far as adaptation to, from, from page to screen, like fidelity, oh, I'd have to go with Sin City. He didn't say that. Like, that wasn't his criteria. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. true. My son liked it. I think he was 17 at the time. Huge history buff. And he he was so impressed at the scope of it. You know, just like the, the, the epic kind of quality and historical, you know, additions to it. And I'm like, oh, you should read the book. So I, I love it. I mean, I love the book. I, I love I the movie. I don't, know, I, don't I, don't know. Know. I don't know if everybody listening to this knows, but I mean, the whole HHWLOD thing started with us because, yeah. doing a issue by issue takedown of Watchmen yeah. leading up to the movies. So wow. that was what, six years ago, seven years ago. Very cool. 
now now i'm you know now i'm the minion of the large podcasting empire so there you go (laughs) minion you're the boss no i'm far from the boss my friend i mean we're not the pod fathers that's you know hhw (laughs) but yeah i'm just a franchise holder (laughs) anyway um so if you like geeky podcasts like we're talking about and i imagine you would because you've been listening to this one for a while by all means, head over to the TaylorNetworkPodcast.com. You will find Mr. Atkinson there on the Comic Rock Snark Fest. Uh, yeah. You will find all kinds of other shows over there, including No Apologies. Uh, we just posted an episode, a new episode of Nothing's On, which actually turned out really funny because we ended up having one of those shows where we digressed a lot. We ended up talking about Who's the Man with Dr. Dre and Ed Lover, and then we ended up talking about Bill Bellamy and just some weird, like, random stuff going on in between our emails. So it was really a funny show. Um, there's all kinds of shows over there. JK's happy hour, um, Martha's Wade show, uh, Wade's world. Um, check them out. They're all over there. At, uh, TaylorNetworkPodcast.com. Also uh, for more podsibilities, <laughs> head over to HHWLOD.com. The walking dead TV podcast is in full swing. Now the season is in effect. We are slowly approaching Negan guys. So oh, definitely, definitely. You I don't, you know, I want to see Negan, but I don't want to see Negan because I want to continue to see Glenn. <laughs> yeah, but you don't so know. Nervous. That's Spoiler a, alert! Know. But you know, it's not because the show is often different from the comic. I mean, a lot of people can make are making the conjecture that it's going to be Daryl, not Glenn. Really, my, the same guy I was talking Watchmen with the other day. He's convinced it's Abraham. Yeah, they didn't. It, well, this last episode was Abraham centric, so it might be. Um, Where's so, Ezekiel? Ezekiel has a tiger. <laughs> yeah. We're not there yet. I know, but I want to be there. Do you, do you? So you read the books, right, Jerry? Oh yeah, I started off reading the books long are before you, that. Are you caught up? I am. Um, well, I don't. No, probably not because I read the trades. So I think I'm still. Okay. I think we're. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I read the trades. So. Yeah. Some interesting stuff with Ezekiel recently. I, can't read it week by week. It's too tense for me. I get too upset that they leave it where they leave it. Because there's whole episodes of The Walking Dead that it doesn't really, ha- nothing really happens. It's just like, oh, look, we're in this, we're finally getting comfortable in this place, you know? And then two issues later, bam. So I need. Well, actually, need the, t- the TV show has been pretty active lately. What was that? I mean, yeah. I mean, no, no, no. I'm, I'm in the, the installments of the actual comics. Oh, yeah. I, I've always been. It's always been a best read, best read in a trade yes. for me. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Just the way Kirkman yes. writes it. Just the same way with Invincible. I read Invincible in trade for the same reason. Yeah. It just flows better in a longer chunk to me. Uh, yeah, actually, Invincible, I, I started reading it. I bought the first four, the big hardback collector's edition. So that's the only way I read it now is every time one of those comes out. So I, I get my Invincible once a year. <laughs> cool beans but yeah check that out there's also it's all connected the uh, marvel uh studios tv podcast which talks about does uh pretty much what we do on the dc side only on the marvel side and they're covering agents of shield which just got renewed for another season by the way and uh, agent carter over there so and plus daredevil's coming up yeah but carter weeks, did, um, carter got canceled right well, not officially, but Haley Atwell has has been cast in a new show. 
Oh. So uh, I don't think they've officially announced it. It's been canned, but they are spinning out that new Marvel's Most Wanted show. I think in the fall. So they're not going to be happy yeah. for anything on that side. So, but well, it's fun. not that. It's I. I really love Haley Atwell, and I really love Peggy Carter. It's great. Yeah, she's awesome. You know, yeah. gotta give it up. But uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, check that podcast out and all that other stuff. Hshwlod.com. Send us an iTunes review. Join the Facebook group, DC TV Podcast Facebook group. Join us. We're almost up to two hundred members. We keep getting a few. New members every week. I think we have four new members this week, which is awesome. Uh, join us there. That's where the first place we post the shows, and it's also uh, a good place to get news and updates and cool discussion as well. Plus, you can see that cool schematic that John Davis drew for his King yeah. Shark uh, Containment okay. Center. Um, definitely awesome. Uh, but check that out. Uh, follow us on Twitter at DCTV underscore podcast. You can follow me there at Yoda Jones. And until next week, Jerry... Rich, thank you for joining me. Where's North? Yes. Good night.
Chip Hensborough.